Macworld Podcast number 264 for Tuesday, October 4th, 2011. Hi again, everyone. Welcome to the Macworld Podcast. This is Philip Michaels. We're coming to you a day early today because Apple had an event. You might have read about it on the Internet. You may not have been able to follow it on the Internet. Right. But uh, there was an event. We had two people there, and those two people join us. Editorial Director Jason Snell. Hello. We have Senior Associate Editor Dan Morin. Hi, Phil. And a special surprise mystery guest from Daring Fireball, John Gruber. Hi, John. Hi, everybody. And, um, hey, let's talk iPhone specifically. Oh, good. Thank you. I've been working on that all day. (laughs) That's the only thing that went well today. (laughs) Um, Specifically, let's talk the iPhone... 4S. 4S. Not the iPhone 5. We don't know what this S stands for. It may for. not be for speed. Well, let's get to that then. What, does, what are your, our best guesses as to what it stands for? And why is it the 4S and, and not the iPhone 5? And should people, how should people feel about uh, today's iPhone hardware? They should feel a sense of morning and no i don't know how they should feel i don't want to tell people how to feel we, it's funny we we just drove back from apple so i feel like we did the the first version of this podcast in the car if only there had been microphones if, if only i had been driving alongside in a pace car with, with one of those microphones they have in the nfl sidelines yeah, to catch I, your audio i didn't even realize they didn't say what the s stood for i i just assumed it was speed because i see these as a continuation and yeah. when when they i know that when they did the 3gs they said it's S is for speed. S is for speed. Right. Well, they didn't know how to brand that at that point, right? Because the 3G was the network, and yet the next, the 3GS was still a 3G phone. So you had to differentiate it. But but clearly, I think drawing a line from the 3GS is the right thing to do because what Apple has done with the iPhone 4 is what it did with the iPhone 3G, which is one year it released the 3G. The next year it did something that looked the same but was different on the inside and was a lot faster. And they've done that again now with the 4 and the 4S. And the thing that's making it a lot faster is, from from my understanding, the A5 processor is now inside it. Right, instead of the A4. Right. Right. So it's a dual processor. It's a dual core chip as opposed to the single core A4 that we saw first in the iPad. And we've seen the uh, the A5 and the iPad 2. Uh-huh. And there are also some um, some changes internally that, uh, from what I saw the presentation, lead to uh, uh, faster downloads and, and better qual- call... I, I kept saying this when I was talking. Call, call quality. quality. Not qual quality. No. No, no. That, that would, be would different. Be, that would make you sound like an idiot. <laughs> um, so so we'll talk about that a little bit, about uh, what you heard from Apple in regards to some of the internal changes and what that might mean for performance. Well, it looks like a couple of things, right? I mean, there's the antenna thing where I think definitely they're trying to say – Directing it about the whole antenna gate thing that happened last year, saying, well, we redesigned the antenna, and they didn't d- address it directly. They said it will be for improved call quality. But I think the unstated is with having these two antennas that can switch automatically, what it's really saying is if you hold it in one place and attenuate the signal on that antenna, it will flip around and use the other antenna we, instead. Which is a fascinating move because, you know, as I was remarking to someone earlier – uh, they basically doubled down on that antenna, right? Like, you think this antenna is bad? Well, we're gonna give, we're gonna keep. Not only we're we gonna keep that antenna, but we're gonna keep going and try to, you know, improve upon it. We're not gonna back off and make the antenna internal again, right? We're gonna we're gonna stick with our design, even though you think it might have problems. We're yeah. just gonna do it even more. Yeah. To, to use my parlance, there's an awful lot of claim chowder I can cook up. <laughs> on Apple is absolutely going to change the antenna of the iPhone next year. They'll yeah. never do this. They'll never make this mistake again. There were an awful lot of people last year who said, 
Well, they'll, you know, maybe they'll get away with it for a year, but I guarantee you next year they're going to have a totally different antenna. Well, they, they did change, right? They did enough to the story to say, well, it's different now, right? So they, they got to kind of wave away that, that talk, but they didn't do it by backing down. They did it by, by doubling improve, down. It, yeah, yeah, improving the innovation they debuted last year. Right. They're not about to back down on it. I also think it's interesting that, you know, we drew that line between the 3GS and, and the 4S. Um, it's interesting that the improvements made in the 4S mirror the improvements made in the 3GS. Not only is it a faster processor, but they improved the camera and added a some sort of voice control, which were the two other <laughs> differentiating features You're between right. the 3GS and the 3G. Let's we'll get to the voice control later because I I think that was that that's sort of the marquee feature and I want to devote as much time to it as possible. But uh, the CDMA GSM uh, thingamajig before when I wanted to when I wanted to get an iPhone I had to make a choice right and now now it's. Uh, one phone to rule them well, all, or how, it, it, it you're, is. Look, you're looking at me quizzically. I'm quoting your tweet. It is Jason. one phone to rule them all. <laughs> you still have to make a choice in that when you go to Sprint or Verizon or AT and T or to the Apple Store and they ask which carrier, you have to make a choice because you're getting the phone subsidized by that company and you're entering into a two-year contract and the phone is locked to that carrier. From Apple's perspective, there's one model and it's the same. No matter what carrier you get it from, there's not a separate Verizon model with a separate update, which is what we have with the iPhone 4. Like the software updates are separate for the Verizon iPhone from the AT&T iPhone, which is kind of weird. With this, there's one piece of hardware, which is great, but I don't want people to misunderstand that and think that they could walk out and get an AT&T iPhone 4S and then in six months, you know, Take it to Verizon and say, I want this on your network instead because you still have the contract and it's still locked. And it's unclear whether there's any facility after the contract is over for you to unlock these things. Even now, that's sort of a, a mystery. So the choice is – there's still a choice to be made, but the hardware isn't different. Well, and, and the upside is if you're, if you're a Verizon customer and you travel overseas – you can now, in theory, use your phone internationally. For, for, for sure, yeah. yeah. Right, right more, more easily. That is the real practical upswing. It really isn't about changing your mind about what, who your carrier is in the U.S. after you've bought the phone. That decision you still need to make when you buy the phone. It's really about CDMA customers being able to travel with their phones. Right, because right, is only GSM is available in a lot of markets. Right. And so AT&T, you can just take it and go. But with the old Verizon iPhone, you couldn't. And with this one... It will go and just when you're in a country that only has GSM, it'll switch to GSM and Verizon. You'll you know your Verizon plan will have an international roaming plan that will cover it and it will just work. And no more uh, no more confusion over which case you have to get either. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Well, there'll, there'll be confusion of a different sort because it'll be is it a four? Does it work with a four S? Does it all line up? I don't think we we'll, we know exactly what where the buttons go. Mm-hmm. I, I would I would not be surprised if it was very much the look of the. The placement of the Verizon iPhone, but Did, we, we just you, don't know. Were you at the hands-on event? No. All right. So I, I was at the hands-on event for the press, and we're allowed to talk about what we saw. The buttons are exactly like the Verizon CDMA iPhone 4 that we know. All right. I mean, it, to my eyes, if there's a difference, it is infinitesimal. It's not right. like with the AT&T one. Like I have my personal AT&T one with me, which I lined up on top of one um, – and the mute switch is a little bit closer to the top on the AT&T one because they have the... The little break. They yeah. have the brakes in a different place on the um, antenna. But, the, but on a Verizon one, I believe, a Verizon CDMA iPhone that you've already bought, I think is indistinguishable on the outside from these new iPhone 4S models. All right. So we, that's the answer. 
I am convinced. I would wager money that a, a a case that fits a Verizon iPhone today will fit the 4S next week. Right. And most cases will fit all of them anyway, but the particularly exacting ones with right. the cutouts in exactly the right place. We'll Listeners, you can place those bets with John Gruber at Daring Fireball. Um, <laughs> That's right. Now let's talk Siri. Ah, Siri. The assistant, the voice, the voice controlled. Because, all the because, tech, all the tech insiders. Apple bought this company called Siri, and mm-hmm. everybody was talking about how they were going to integrate the Siri technology. And I think, I think the idea that they would actually call the feature Siri, I think nobody nobody believed it. Perhaps they just discounted it because that was too inside baseball. But obviously, Apple decided rather than calling it something generic, they wanted to give it personality. And if you if you watch the demo that they did in the event. Uh, Siri has personality. The, the Siri engine assistant, whatever it is, it, he, she, default voice is female, but I don't even know. I, it, there's some existential questions there. But it's um, it has an attitude. It doesn't just say boring responses. It, it sort of is a little snarky at times, which is kind of interesting. So, right, like if you so ask it who it is. It's, I, I am a humble personal assistant. Yeah, yeah. so, you know, so it's, they're trying to imbue some personality in it, which is why it's not called generic assistant. It's called Siri. It's a name. It's, it's, a, it's a person, sort of. I, I asked it. I knew this because somebody told me that the old Siri app had a special case for this. Um, but in the hands-on area, I asked it, uh, open the pod bay doors, how? <laughs> and it recognized it, and and its response was that that is a rude question to ask. Uh, per, uh, what do they call it? Uh, an assistant, a digital assistant. <laughs> what a rude question to ask a digital digital assistant. <laughs> well, they're apparently, and there I know there are Lincolns. Um, you know, as they demonstrated, they, it links into different sites, including Wolfram Alpha, um, which is a treasure trove of bizarre and categorized information. So there are a lot of things you can ask. Uh, and they showed off during the presentation currency conversions, for example, or dictionary definitions or whatever. But I, I also happen to know that you could probably ask Wolfram Alpha what the airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow is, and it actually has an answer for that. African or European? It has both. Did oh, you notice good. this during the demo? That um, And you can see this whenever you go to the Wolfram Alpha website, that for whatever reason, whether it's actually technical or as I think that it's a way to prevent the responses from being spidered, that they give results as images – Right. Right? If you look at Wolfram Alpha, the, the, the responses that come back are rendered images. They're like ping files. Um, and so Siri doesn't read those answers. Right. They don't read them out loud. She says, I have something you might like and, right. and shows you an image. There was a lot of things I was surprised that it didn't necessarily read. Like for several times where uh, where you would you know write a reply to something, if you wrote like a, dictated a text message reply, it would say – this is your reply. Right. Do you want me to send it? I think there are a couple examples of, of of the person saying, you know, can you read that to me? So I, I think there, I think it can scale, and I think you can right. ask for more information. But it's trying to it's trying to guess. Right. I mean, I think that's the most impressive thing that we all saw. Right. Is that this is you know this is a piece of software that doesn't unlike so many of the voice command technologies that we've seen before on the Mac or on the iPhone, it doesn't require you to have a particular syntax. Right. It's meant memorized. to be natural language, so you can there are like you can 15 ask a, different ways yeah, of asking the same right. question. And that's, you know, so so Scott Forstall from Apple demonstrated it by asking, you know, he would ask for the forecast and then he said, "Well, do I need a raincoat today?" And it came back with, "Yes, it looks like rain." <laughs> and with the forecast, right. which is 
which is pretty impressive to see from a from a technology standpoint because and there's context too right right it's the because it, it, didn't didn't he then do the like what well, what about in Paris and it, like it knew they were talking about the weather so it told them the uh, weather in Paris or not for that but there was there was a couple there, there were a couple there were a couple examples where it was where, clear that that it's a conversation and there's context happening which you, is really interesting. I think he said send it. Or something like yeah, that. Yeah, reply, oh, right. replied Repl- it, or, or something. just reply. He, yeah. yeah, it was just reply with whatever the and it, text, and, and it knew it meant the message he had most recently right. received. So there's that context that you wouldn't get if you were if you were issuing a series of standalone questions, which right. is which is kind of cool. Um, we should also say that uh, it's really easy for people to miss the other major part of this because Apple rolled them together, which is a little strange to me actually that they chose to do this. There's this digital assistant stuff, which is like voice control, except totally blown out, like with vastly more than voice control that you do. Um, but the other part of it is the keyboard on the iPhone 4S, the software keyboard, has an, a microphone button on it. So right. now speech-to-text s- is system-wide available. So if you're in any app that has a keyboard, you can press that button, say something. It sends the audio file actually over the internet to Apple servers and kicks you back the text which and is, inserts the text. Which is what a Android, that Android has does. been doing. And I have, so, a, I have a friend with a droid who, has been, who loves this because he hates typing on yeah. the touchscreen. Yeah. But although I have to admit it's a little scary if you ever see him. He just sits around and watches. He talks to his phone very intimately. Yeah. There's going to be very a whole strange. social ramifications <laughs> of, of, of when you talk to your phone. But um, I think that's a cool feature that every app gets to gets to take advantage of. So speech to text system-wide, you yep. can use it to search things. It can also read things back to you. Yes, it can. In fact, if you get a – I think the perfect model is you are driving and you get a text. And you can actually say, read me the text. You know, who's it from? Read, read the text to me. And it will read the text. And then you can say reply and say my reply is, okay, I'll be there in a minute and send that text. And you can do that all – we'll see how well it works, right. right? But you can do that all from voice, which is really important because well, state, you're not supposed to look yeah, – right? In it's, my state, it's illegal. It you is legal in, in California so, you know, as well. So yeah. using this technology for that, not only is it you're, – you're going to be legal, but it, it's safer. <laughs> so that's also good. Now, is there a specific Siri app or how do you activate it? Because I'd hate to be like talking – as we're chatting so amicably right now, and then suddenly my phone starts yelling things at me. Long press on the home button. Long yeah. press. And, just like voice control. And if you have a headset on and you have a button on your yeah. headset that activates the home button, then you can use the headset Pres- button. Presumably the, the clicker on the built-in. Right. Yeah, they showed that too. Yeah. Right. Presumably any headset that you would use with an iPhone. It's that long press kind of kind of thing. Yeah. So and so you, and that just like voice control, it's the exact same. They just take it and expand voice control. It. I assume it replaces it, yeah, voice control. Voice entirely. control goes away yeah. for this. Now, now there are a fair amount of apps on the App Store that um, that offer some sort of voice control feature. I'm thinking specifically Dragon Go, which is a nuances search tool. Uh, Google's search app uh, has a has a voice component to it, and probably a few others that I'm forgetting. As is always the case when Apple uh, releases a new feature, what does that mean for some of these uh, some of these third parties? Is there still a space for them to do what they're doing, or or are we are, are is it time to close up shop and and I, it certainly I mean, raises the bar. It seems it seems like most most of the ones that are just I mean all the Dragon one does is do text you know, speech to text. Well, that no, well, no, 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 no. There, there's well. a there's a speech to text that which is a, a dragon dragon dictation I dragon yeah. dictation. That and one's then gone. there's <laughs> <laughs> dead. And then there's Dragon Go, which is basically you say, "Hey, I want to find a Chinese restaurant." And so those will still pulls work. Up things those related. will still work. And if they can find some way to add value that Siri doesn't offer, then that'll be great. But I, the bar is raised so high now that I, I have a hard time seeing that a search app, right? I mean, even if you're doing a we- like a web search, I think 
I think Siri will be your first stop if you've got an iPhone 4S. I, I, and I, there's certain that just brings up questions too, where I don't even know if this is intended for how long the dictation can be. Like it's, you know, obviously it's going to work in an email, and an email can be pretty long. But right. I'm not quite sure. And it didn't say anything. They didn't show anything about like returns and commas right so it may only be intended for like brief messages right like text messaging it seems pretty obvious you're just giving like a sentence but there might be a space for something like dragons naturally speaking if you really wanted to have like a real i want to dictate like a a memo a whole article although the current dragon app doesn't do that either it's the same thing but there's short block but there's an opportunity right right plus there's all the devices on ios that don't have siri right it's only on the 4s right so if you've got an iphone 4 you'll want to use those apps because you don't have access to the to the features that uh, that are introduced with the 4S. And I believe as of as of at least recently and I'm not sure about still as of this recording but Siri was still available as a standalone app on the App Store, I believe, hmm. uh, as of at least like in the last few weeks. Hmm. Um, so I don't know if that will continue to be available, but if you are on an iPhone 4, you may still be able to get some of the functionality right. uh, of it. We mentioned the camera changes. Uh, obviously, the the iPhone and the iPhone four have become very popular cameras in the world. I think the the stat people uh, like to quote is the most popular camera on on, on Flickr, Flickr, right? Yeah. Um, what does the four uh, S bring to the table with the camera? It's it's much better as so far as Apple says, right? I mean, it's eight megapixels. Yeah. Well, and like they said, megapixels is not necessarily a reflection right. of image quality, but it does seem like the images. And that, that, that's the changes to the rear-facing camera or is the yeah. front-facing Yeah, they camera. didn't mention anything yeah, about I it. I assume it's the The front-facing is still VGA, but the, okay. the rear-facing, yeah. So it's 8 megapixels, but it's also backlit back or LED illumination or whatever right. that is. So they're And they've got – they boasted about their like five-element five lens. There's one more element than it's on the iPhone 4. They added the fifth element, Dan. <laughs> I, I, think, I think the bottom line is that I – I think that the way Phil Schiller phrased it on stage was probably exactly right, that they've now – they've turned a corner from trying to make a good cell phone camera or a great cell phone camera if you want to let's make something that's better than an average uh, point-and-shoot dedicated camera. That, I, they, that, that's, that is their actual goal is to make the iPhone 4S as camera as better – as good or better than, than the – Point and shoot that people have at home. I think the one of the biggest features of this is actually not the physical camera. It's the fact that you know between the A5 processor and the changes in iOS five, taking a photo fast from the moment you get your cell phone out of your pocket has never never been easier. Has never been faster. So they were boasting about how it takes your sort of average Android phone like two to three, two to three seconds, seconds yeah. to take the first picture and then it's another second for everyone after and they said that theirs is like one point something. I think it was one point one seconds for, for the, the first, first picture, picture and half a second. And half a second for every additional picture and then you, you you put in the fact that in iOS 5 you can double tap on the home screen and, and tap the camera button and you're immediately in the camera app. Um, I think that's huge because so many of the many problems events, I have. How many events have you missed? Oh, man. Slide, if you that's have a passcode, put your passcode in, my hit the camera My complaint about yeah, the forever. iPhone camera is not even so much about the quality, although it's great if the quality is better. It's that it takes so long to get to the point where you can shoot. So now that's just gone. And, and I, I think in, in the competition against point-and-shoots, it's a very interesting competition because on the, on the side of the dedicated point-and-shoot cameras are the laws of physics. And on the side of the iPhone 4S is the value of software. So it I mean I'm not I'm like a amateur photo geek, but the reason most point and shoots when you turn them on the lens barrel 
comes out is that the laws of physics are such is that it's easier to take a good picture if the lens and the sensor are further apart. And so the iPhone doesn't have that privilege. It's, you know, very thin and the lens doesn't come out. So there's a limit physically to how good the picture can be. But on the other hand, the iPhone has software and you can digitally, you know, both built in an iOS 5, which has new photo enhancement stuff, which we were just talking about on the ride back, actually works really well. Red eye removal, just a magic wand that just says, just take a guess and try to make this picture better if it's like backlit or something like that. Um, and that stuff really works. And I think more and more, everybody is sort of heading towards this hubless digital lifestyle where your devices just sort of interact independently. And how many times do you have a photo that you want to send to somebody and it never actually goes into iPhoto or Lightroom or Aperture on your Mac before you can fix stuff like Red Eye? You want to fix it right away when you took it. And the iPhone has a huge advantage over like a dedicated point and shoot in that regard. Right. Oh, I guess I should mention that it does. It shows 1080 uh, HD video too. So yeah, which they showed off with a with a casual little homemade video, which I noticed was using like beautiful cranes models. and dollies yeah. and stuff like that. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I it, use those for my videos all the H- time. HD video, and they they're using some uh, software image stabilization, which is which actually is going to improve the video quality a lot because it is kind of tough to hold the shaky. Uh, hold a, a, a iPhone camera steady for for video stuff. Yeah, and so. that was a big deal, I think, with the when they first added video with um, like comparing it to the dedicated flips because I think the flips had added some kind of image stabilization and it really really helped, especially you know in the typical unplanned serendipitous. I'm just shooting some video while I'm panning to watch my kids play soccer or whatever. Really comes it does come in. Yeah, sorry about that, but I thought I'd throw so, that in there. Any, Yet more features. Any other features to talk about? Anything do you, else? Do you think there will be an option? It just just occurred to me right now that what if I don't want to shoot 1080p? What if I want to shoot 720 because space I, concerns yeah, or like because I bought the 16 gigabyte. I, w- I wonder if it'll let you you know in the same way Maybe that when you send setting. when you send an image it lets you scale it. Oh, there's no way it's going to transcode the video. That's not going to happen. No, I bet. I bet there may be a setting to let you choose what you shoot. I'm, I'm going to rue the day that I shoot all the 720 stuff in in lieu of 1080p with my kid for when I'm old and retired and I have a 180 inch TV and and the 740 yeah, 4K resolution. Yeah, right. Because right. like you know, me saying today 720 looks just fine. You know, I'm I'm sure. You know, when everybody's shooting 5,000 megapixel video. Uh, and I guess the other thing that we didn't mention is the graphics stuff. I mean, they talked about the you know the A5 also is has a, a integrated graphics um, processing unit, so they claim 7x better graphics. And on the you know there's a lot of pixels on that Retina display. I know it's a small device, unlike an iPad, but it's got a lot of pixels. And uh, the demos there were pretty impressive. So you know the idea that this is going to be great for for games and other things like that too. That's certainly out there. Um, it's a there's a lot of processing power in that iPhone for us. I think that's about it, though, right? Yeah. yeah. Those are the high points. So the iPhone 4S ships on October 14th. Pre-orders – with pre-orders one week earlier. Pre-orders on the 7th. Right. Apple X Fridays, apparently. Obviously, you know, we sort of like to hold this question until um, until we actually have a phone to use. But just quick whip around the table – is this an interesting phone? Should people consider upgrading to it from their from their current phone and uh, making that two year commitment to the carrier of their choice, which now includes Sprint? Now includes if, Sprint. If we yes. hadn't mentioned that earlier, I think we did in passing. So, whip around the table, Dan Morin. 
Uh, I mean, it depends what what phone you're upgrading for. But, yeah, I think for for 3GS owners, definitely for 4 owners, I think a lot of people are going to be tempted by the promise of a better camera and the voice assistant. Those two things, I think, will will convince a lot of people. John Gruber? I I think you got to remember, I think the iPhone is designed around the two-year contract cycle. That contracts in the U.S. are standard at two years, and I really think Apple has that in mind, and that they realize with the masses, with these 20-some, maybe even 30 million iPhones they sell a quarter, these are not sold to people who even vaguely think that I'm going to get another iPhone in a year. Uh, so I think if, you ha- if you're two years out, if you have a 3GS, absolutely this is going to make you delighted. If you have an iPhone 4 and you're like a super geek and you can afford it, sure, but you absolutely don't have to. It's not going to compel iPhone 4 users to upgrade, and that's okay. Jason, you're nodding along yeah, to that. Yeah, I agree with John. It's a two-year it's a two-year cycle, at least in the U.S., and Apple seems to, to bring us back to where we started, right? It's it's this two-year cycle that they seem to be building now. It's it's now sort of a trend. There's the 3G, 3G and then the 3GS and the 4 and the 4S. And uh, and so if you're a 3G, 3GS user, um, yeah, it, this is going to be a great upgrade. You're out of your contract. You're going to be able to get it for the subsidized price. Um, that's fantastic. Uh, for owners, I mean, yeah, there may be some temptation there, but – I think uh, I think they also you know are pretty happy with their phone. The iPhone four is still a pretty darn good phone. So and, and, hey, if you don't have an iPhone, and if you don't have an iPhone, there's a lot of opportunity there. Oh, and then you know you could also get a free three GS if you want, or a cheaper four, or a cheaper four. So there are lots of options out there. Though so again, a two year commitment, but to you have to make the commitment to those as well. Um, other stuff talked about today: iOS five, nothing but the ship date, right? Was there was there anything new with iOS five that we hadn't See heard back, next Wednesday back in WWDC? <laughs> yes, October twelfth, the ship date. Also, the the release date for iCloud. A couple of new things. Find my friends. Find well, my friends. Which, well, which that, they build as part of iCloud. iCloud. That's an iCloud. Oh, is that iCloud? Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think they oh, you're right. Yeah, you're right. They said. Yeah, you're right. I take it back because they said but, it'd be in but, the app store. But it, it, that's a beautiful segue. And cards. Which Don't is, forget cards. It's is, like iCards, except iCards are back, Phil. You must be ecstatic. <laughs> except they're actual cards. Except it's mobile and they're actual, and it will again destroy third-party apps. It'll, that it'll destroy. Do this. Um, who, who's the guy who Bill, Bill Atkinson, Atkinson poor, has the postcard app that you pay him for the postcard, and and, and Hazel Mail and uh, Postino yeah. also do those. We were talking about Apple, Apple has had its sights set on destroying the greeting card industry for <laughs> at last. Years. But, sa- but saving the postal service just right. as they'll save the publishing industry with news. Surely, like sure. they've got like this list of competitors they want to beat, and it's you know like Samsung, Google, Microsoft, American then- Greeted, yes. Hallmark. 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 <laughs> clearly, clearly, a Hallmark executive was once churlish to, to, to Tim Cook to Tim Cook somewhere along the way, and rooted and, for the wrong college football team, perhaps. And, and he said. I will destroy you. And today that plan came to fruition. Yes. Um, we, we, we glossed over Find My Friends. A, a brief uh, overview of that for people who missed it amid all the uh, live well, keynote. It's, it's Find My iPhone. Right now, Find My iPhone only works for devices that share a um, an Apple ID, a single Apple ID. So, um, you know, I can give my wife my Apple ID password and username and she can find me. But with this, you can do that with anybody, and you don't have to give away your account to do that. Well, so it's, now it's find my iPhone meets Google Latitude or right. Looped or something right, like right. that. Right, right. So, so you can you can say these people can find my iPhone anytime, all the time, and they know where I am at all times. And you can also do it for events. So you can say today I'm. Their example is today I'm going to the beach. So for today I'm going to share my 
position with everybody else who's going to the beach or the park or wherever so they can find me. But at the end of the day, that time's out and then they can't find me and I've got my privacy again. So it, it lets you share with your friends. I, I think this is like great like college campus kind of app. Well, it's great for co- conferences. Right. Yeah, yeah. Stuff like that where, where everybody gets to see, you know. You I, know what? I, the example was great where they showed uh, the family at Disneyland. Yeah. If you've ever gone to a theme park and you peel off and m- mom and the son go to this ride and dad and the daughter go on the teacups. Yeah, where the hell are they? Yeah. Oh, they're at the teacups still. And you go over there, right. Mm-hmm. Right, or at a conference or or at the beach is a good idea. It's like, yeah. oh, well, they went, they're, they're down there about half a mile. We can go down there and see them now. And that's and, that, and I, there was somebody on Twitter. I tweeted about that and they're like, oh, Apple will be sued for this privacy infringement. But it's that's stupid but it's, it's because what, this is about sharing, right? And, and, and it's great. It is your... I, when Looped came out, I used this analogy. It's the Marauders map from Harry Potter, right? You know, you can see where all your friends are at any time, uh, except except with privacy. Marauders map had no privacy, so those guys are in trouble. Well, uh, but yeah, the, the only thing that was weird about it, which I pointed out to you during the, the live blog, is the interface is very very bizarre. It's yeah, got a stitched, it's stitched leather, leather. interface, as though, as though there is an analog for some sort of physical world uh, object that you would use for this. The, obviously, the Marauders map is made of stitched <laughs> leather. That is the only explanation that I have. Yeah, I, I don't know what the analogy is too. What, it, uh, it's in, and, what and the use? icon. Did you see the icon? The icon yeah, looks is actually like, looks a like, stitched leather. It looks icon. like contacts a little bit. It's got like little silhouettes and then the stitched leather. Yeah, I it's don't know what bizarre. that is. It's very strange. I don't know. It almost yeah. looks like a baseball mitt. Yeah, it's like very puffy it's leather. Like, it's like a cowboy designed it. <laughs> I'm very confused. <laughs> well, you got you want to know where your fellow cowboys are when yes. they're rustling the herd on the range. <laughs> when you're that's when, a great use of find yes. my friends. Find my friends if on only, the back forty. If only John Wayne had find my friends in Howard Hawks's Red River. See, this is better than your Harry Potter analogy. <laughs> right. He could have found Montgomery Clift after the mutiny on the on the cattle drive. Plot hole. Now it's a plot hole. Yes, exactly. Right Someone here. will go back and fix it. Probably yeah. George Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> um, the first keynote of the um, of the post Steve. Oh, well, keynote first Apple presentation of the post Steve Jobs era. Um, yeah. Any? Uh, I guess the it, it sort of raises the question: How did Tim Cook do? How did the uh, cavalcade of Apple executives? Uh, uh, playoff was it an entertaining uh, event to watch? I think we've been primed for this, right? I mean, I felt like it didn't really, it, I I didn't even really think about it that much. We've seen so many Apple events in the past few years that Steve hasn't been at, or he's only had a very small role. That there was nothing super odd about Tim Cook. We've seen Tim Cook come up and do presentations. We saw him; he was at the Verizon presentation. He did uh, intro at Back to the Mac last year. Um, He's he's clearly he was very comfortable. He got up. He talked about the stuff that was kind of in his strong suit, um, and then we brought up plenty of familiar faces. I mean, we've seen Phil Schiller demo lots of stuff. And Scott Forstall. Scott Forstall. Yeah. We've seen is a staple. You know, these guys. It felt very much like any other event in many ways, and it, it seemed to to all go off relatively fine. I think you know the, the centerpiece as always is on the on the products. The big difference was you know. Tim Cook opened and closed, and he he talked about the numbers and you know sales and retail and stuff that he's very comfortable talking about. He was a little, little touchy feely too. He talked yeah. about how how, how much proud. he loves Apple. Yeah, and- he did at the end especially. He did the whole you know we're really proud of the people and the work they do, which is a very that's how Steve Jobs always you know ended his his stuff. Uh, and the other other thing I noticed is that there was a lot of uh, baton passing. So instead mm-hmm. of it being like Tim was the MC and he he's like Ed Sullivan, he keeps coming back on and saying, "And now our next," they didn't do that. They they they. Passed it down the line in the chain, so it was you know Scott and Eddie and 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 uh, and uh, Phil and back to Scott and back to Phil and then back to Tim and they just kind of it was like in this unbroken chain of, tag team. of presentations and 
it was it was it was fine. And Tim Cook is good at that stuff, as we know from listening to him on all those quarterly conference calls. You know, he's he's got a very different style than somebody like Steve Jobs, but he's that southern gentleman. You, you and, get that impression. He thinks really hard about yeah. everything that he says. He's very deliberate with yes. everything he says. It's, and it's, clear. Yeah. Which I like. I like. No, I, I really actually. I really like Tim Cook as a presenter. I've always liked him on the conference calls. That it's you know this is Tim. You know we're gonna talk, <laughs> and then he would explain what they're doing, and and it's it's the, it's Tim Cook. He does a good job, and and that's his that's his forte is the is the numbers and the success that Apple's having, which makes that the perfect spot for him. Let's wrap with um, uh, a closing closing thoughts on the on the significance of today. Uh, clearly, uh, not a. Not a monumental event, I thought. With the with, I mean, we're not talking iPad unveiling. We're not talking. Uh, we're not talking refresh of the entire line. You know, we've seen these these fall events before where they they because really we haven't even out. We, we, we haven't even talked about the iPods. Right. Well, with, which, and there, and there wasn't <laughs> much to talk about yeah. really. Price I mean, change. Price change. Slight change, change on the Nano. And a slight tweak to the Nano yeah. interface, which well, I think right. is for the it's better. Just, and that's a, I think just a software. Which update, is yeah. so. I was interested to see that you know we talked. There were a lot of predictions going into this whether or not they would change the iPod Touch. And of course, they they made a, a white one and changed the pricing <laughs> slightly. But um, it is interesting. We're basically, I mean, presumably, it's still you know just a fourth generation iPod Touch. So it's it's not moving quite in parallel. I mean, it's usually lagged a little bit behind the iPhone, right? The yeah. iPhone will get some improvements, and then they'll roll out similar things to the Touch, like the Retina display or the faster processors or whatever. But it it is interesting that you know now the Touch presumably I don't know I mean this is the holiday season right this is the Touch they're going into for yeah. for probably for the next well, year I was a little surprised that they didn't upgrade the camera because the camera on the Touch isn't very good it's just a video camera basically it's, but I think that that's one too where they really because it's so thin that the the laws of physics I said before yeah. where it, it just is I don't know even know if it's worth it you know I yeah mean, just I, I, not I, a lot of room in there for the camera I think Apple sort of judging by just the what they have on the iPod Touch webpage on the Apple site, it seems like they think that the iPod Touch update comes when iOS 5 arrives because you'll have your iMessage. And right. You'll have yeah. your, Fair enough. And, that'll, and that will be iCloud. good. I think that you know, iMessage and, and FaceTime and, and a bunch of features make that a, a compelling Game Center, which is obviously product. gaming is a really right. huge part of iPod Touch. I think Touch. it works in their favor for the iPod Touch to be a, a little bit more technical or I'll, I'll, instead of saying that it's technically behind the leading edge iPhone, I'd just say that the iPhone is further ahead than the iPod Touch because it's it's clearly more the premium product, right? And they want the price to be reasonable on the Touch. They don't want yeah. that getting out of out of hand. I mean, the one ninety nine, you know, the the Touch is the same price as the Kindle Fire is going to be, right? I mean, they they they've got subsidies on the iPhones, but the iPod, right. iPod Touch you got to you got to pay for it. And and so if they take it too far, make it too advanced. It's going to be too expensive. For like there's no, the there's no doubt who the star is. The star is the iPhone yeah. 4S, and that that by having the iPod Touch just get a nice, you know, it's, it's you know, just as good. But the the price, you know, lower the price rather than make it better at the same price. It seems to differentiate them more. Right. Right. But I, I think you know. It's not momentous in – everybody – God, everybody wants every Apple event to be to release a world-changing product, right? And it just doesn't happen that often. And I, feel, I feel like This it's, is an update. This is an update to an existing product. And, and got, it primed the I pump. Think, it primed the pump for a bunch of stuff to and come. And Siri is potentially really interesting yeah. across you know, more parts of the line 
ultimately. I, I I always you know I call it it's like like back in the Cold War when when people would try to figure out what the the Soviet Union was doing. They called it Kremlinology, and you'd have to like kind of like parse the words and stuff yeah. like that. But I always feel like there's you know sometimes you have to do that with Apple, but a lot of times they really are just they're just totally honest. They're very circ- they're very very careful about what they say, but what they say is just the plain truth. And I think it was Phil Schiller who was talking, yeah, doing the iPod introduction. And when he said that they got the iPod Touch down to 199 and he said, and that is an important price point. I thought the way he said that, it was almost like as an aside, but he really seemed to mean it, that they know that they can sell way more at 199 than they were at 229 because there's that psychological bear. And they, yeah. they know from years and years and years of selling these devices at those price points that that right. that means something. It reminds you of I mean, Bezos at the Amazon event last week said the same thing same about thing. getting the Kindle Touch at $99, right? There's something about $99, he said. People right. will just, oh, it's, yeah. it's under $100. And I, well, I really, and $199, too. I yeah, really no, think, same thing, anything I, like I think that. that was Schiller just, you know, open kimono. That's, that's just how we think. And that it's way more important for Apple to get that price point than to get an A5 processor in there and yeah. still have to sell it at 229 Because 229 is a little bit of an unusual price. They can really try number. to stick to the... Even fifty dollar increments, forty nine and ninety nine, and they so just I, couldn't do it. Right, so you just get the feeling that, that it was two twenty nine because they just couldn't do it. That the thing probably cost like two hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah. Well, with the image of Phil Schiller's open kimono fresh in our brains, <laughs> I I think it's time to uh, put a pin in this edition of the Macro or close the kimono. Or close the kimono. For God's sake, you're frightening the children. Is that your desktop too? Yes, that is. <laughs> that's. That's a hidden Easter egg feature in iOS 5, kids. Um, yes. Siri to open the kimono and see what happens. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, this has gone off the rails, which I think makes it uh, for the course. a regular podcast. <laughs> so I will thank John Gruber, our special guest, for stopping by. You're very welcome. Thank you for having I me. I will thank Jason Snell and Dan Morin, who are not special in any way. Thank you. Yeah. But still I'll, delightful. I'll take what I can get. Still delightful but we're to present. be here. And thank you, listeners, for um, for sticking with us today. This has been the Macworld Podcast. I have been Philip Michaels. Goodbye.